Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, joined by my co-host. I am Parker Gatewood, at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. And Parker, the sky is falling. It's officially fell. It's, it's done fallen. Yeah, things are, things are uh, unfolding. Things are afoot in Valparaiso. Very much so. The uh, train is off the tracks. The train is off the tracks. And whether or not the train gets back on the tracks or there's even tracks left to get on, right. I don't know. I think it was the last stop a while ago. <laughs> uh, five straight losses for Valpo. Uh, first time since the 08-09 season that Valpo has lost five straight. Um, first time that they've had five straight conference losses in in 10 years first time that Valpo has uh well they've equaled their longest losing streak um since the 0607 season when they lost eight straight so a little bit of ways to go but it's not as bad as it could be because in 1989-90 Valpo went 13 games without a win from January 15th to February 26th without a win and Parker that was Homer Drew's Second season as head coach, and things got better. Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. Things didn't get better right away. They no. had a few more seasons of four or five wins. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. But it takes time. We've talked about that. Uh, are you still? Are you still in the? Uh, it's not. It's not making excuses. But are you still in the? Glasses half full or glasses half emptied? Can you still? Can you recognize the process, or do you just want to? Uh, how, how are you feeling? I just right think now? this is an interesting season. You know, I mean, overall, like I don't think I think we've talked about this, and I've said this multiple times, but I think the people that had such high expectations for this team going into the season—that's just those expectations should not have been there because it's a very new team, it's a young team. Not a, they haven't had a lot of court time together, you know, before this season, and. To switching conferences to a much tougher conference, it was going to be tough anyway. Now, did anyone, either of us, think it was going to be last place in the Missouri Valley tough? Eh, Probably not, no. But I don't know. And then you add in the, you know, Joe Burton loss and and things just, it's, it's a similar it's a storm and it's it's just it's been rough it has been there's no doubt about it and there's any number of places to begin with what has gone wrong but i want to start with me because that's the kind of person i am absolutely i made a major mistake and we'd have it no other way thank you thank you i made a major mistake earlier not major but irritating. I made a mistake earlier today mm-hmm. that... Uh, and, and context, where did you make this mistake? The Missouri Valley Conference teleconference. <laughs> and instead of me explaining exactly what happened, let's just go to the audio. Sure. Minutes, questions from Paul Oren, Southwest Indiana Times. Matt, going back to your playing career, the internet tells me that your freshman year you 
early on you guys lost three games in a row, and you've got a very young team right now. Just Did, did you struggle with the confidence stuff, and, and what, what helped you guys turn the corner when you were back playing, and, and, and what can you use to help your guys? Uh, I think you got your facts wrong. I was... 31 and 3 my freshman year of college. So there you go Parker. What you've just heard is I had a chance to ask Matt Lodick a question today. And look, the, we get a lot of personal time with Matt Lodick, you know, every week we get a chance to sit down with him and ask him questions and everything. But during these teleconferences, you like to try to get a question in as well and see if you can uh, you know, glean anything. And and he had talked earlier in the teleconference about how Valpo was lacking confidence right now, and they were struggling a bit, and they were, they were, you know, they needed to get that back. And so I thought, as he's talking, I thought, wow, I wonder, you know, has he ever lost five games in a row as a player? I knew they were really good at Stanford, but I didn't know if maybe his freshman year they had a struggle or something like that. Right. Sure enough, I go to Stanford's website, the official website, and I go to his freshman year. They have a 28-8 record. And, okay, that's still pretty good. I knew he was really good. And so I, I look, and the website notates that they have losses against three teams early on in the season, Old Dominion, Memphis, and Georgia, all at the Puerto Rico shootout. And they lost by 24, they lost by 23, and they lost by th- by uh, by 13. Those are some big losses yes, against quite. some not great teams. So I thought to myself, wow, I'm going to ask this question, as you just heard, did you get? I mean, what did you learn from that adversity that you faced, and and how does that shape you as a player? Especially, these were his second, third, and fourth games in college as a freshman. I thought, you know, Valpo's young. He was young then. What did you learn from it? Great question. I thought <laughs> I asked it terribly because I was stumbling through and all of that, and and uh, and he comes at me with the, I think you got your facts wrong. <laughs> I was, was thirty-one and three, and I'm like. My heart sank a little bit because I don't get my facts wrong. I'm right. not fake news. No, no, I'm not. not. I hate that term. <laughs> so I, uh, I I do some searching, and so so then it goes. He starts answering the question, and like gives like an amazing answer and all of that. You can find all this stuff on the Valley's website, and uh, and I I'm, I'm looking and I click on the box score. And the box score where it says, you know, on the website, Old Dominion 84, Stanford 60. And I click on the box score, and sure enough, Stanford won 84 to 60. I found five instances on the website of games that were notated as losses for Stanford that they actually won. So that said, I uh, I called Stanford. And I said, hey, look, I found this. You might want to fix that. Now the question is, and and they're listed in their year by year as 31 and 3 that year, mm-hmm. not 28 and 8, which I'm no math major, but those numbers don't even add up, no. as you astutely pointed out. Right. So yeah. 31 and 3 is 34 games. 28 and 8 is 36 games. Somebody somewhere at Stanford messed up. And they say that that's the, an Ivy League of the West? <laughs> Come on. I mean, it, it's pretty good school. I don't, Whatever. <laughs> not not after this snafu. You, it's, you know, it's no Harvard of the Midwest. That's no, it sure. not. That's... no, it is not. No, it is not. So... Needless to say, they're going to fix the problem. They went 31-3. and Lodick was right. I was wrong. He's good. I'm bad. It's terrible. Right. So, anyways, the point is— What was is, you when, when initial reaction when, when he says that? What are you, what are you feeling? Oh, I, and we, I edited that part out. I didn't play the whole clip, but right. I was like, oh, I must have got the wrong year. Maybe, maybe that was the year before he got there. 
And then he tried to he tried to help me out. He's like, "Well, I think maybe my sophomore year." No way, man! You never lost more than like one game in a row. <laughs> you know, his sophomore year they went twenty one and ten. Okay, um, I'm looking to see here if they ever lost back to back games. They lost two USC and two UCLA back to back. It was the only time they lost back to back games, and they were in the NCAA tournament two weeks later. And uh, and so I no, it was terrible. It's embarrassing, especially because you can go to the Valley's website and you can listen to this. Like, yeah. I look like an idiot, and that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, I I didn't miss my first 14 three-pointers, but I, right. missed, <laughs> I missed a layup. I missed an easy question. You did. You know, it was terrible. You did. I didn't. You know, you can practice all you want to be a reporter, and then you get the guy that you cover says you didn't get your facts right. Well, I texted him right away. I was like, look, here's a screenshot of Stanford's website. I didn't mess up. Yeah, you right. Know? I didn't. Uh, I think I'd be maybe be a ta- bad team player. Could be because like I was like, like I didn't mess up. I was like Picard. Yeah. Like I threw my arms up. Like no, I didn't do it. It wasn't <laughs> me. Somebody else. Right. Stanford. Their Stanford. Fault. Okay. The Cardinal. Without an S. Their logo is a tree. Like come on. Right. You know what's actually kind of funny, and I was thinking about this today. Is it like they're, they're the Cardinal, but it's like the S is 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 in the in the logo. Right. It's like, I don't see it's anything. Like, it's a color. It's like where'd the ass go? Oh, there it is. It's in the tree. Yeah. yeah. You know what? They got bigger problems than getting their stats wrong on the yeah, thing. They, they should <laughs> look. Wisconsin took care of them in the Rose Bowl once, I think. Oof. Okay. I'm just gonna get I'm I'm just gonna get mad because Stanford made me look like an idiot. Right. right. I'll right. own it. I did Absolutely. Look, I should have double checked. Yes. Always use two sources in Always. journalism. Yeah. That's why that's why maybe some of this breaking news that people want all the time they can't get because we need double sources exactly. all the time. Yes. Okay. Nobody, Check your facts. Nobody cares about this. Take that for data. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Finzel. Uh okay. Uh we got we got problems here. We got yeah. Evansville game, which I think oh, we said boy. on the last the last podcast, if, if they couldn't win that one, we were going to pack up and go home. Yeah. So um, uh, with that said, I, I'm going to go, Paul. Um, I'll you're say, out. Yeah. No, no come kidding. on. I'll be here. Uh, look, down eight at the half. Uh, you know, it's just a tough, tough game again for Valpo. Uh, they led by eight. They were, yeah, they were doing well in the in the beginning. This was a this was not a situation where you know they started poorly again. Right. You know, um, second game in a row that Tavon Walker got a foul on the first possession of the game. Yep, that was tough. Uh, Bakari knocked down a three pointer. Malik McMillan knocked down a three pointer. Had four three pointers in the game. We'll get to Malik later on. So uh, Valpo's up eight. You know, in the early stages of the game, they're up eighteen to ten. And then the bottom falls out, and here comes Evansville, and they go on a big run, and they end up, you know, going down eighteen ten to up thirty to twenty one, and it just got worse from there. And they ended up taking a thirty eight to thirty halftime lead, and then they stretched that in the second half, and and you know Valpo got got down to within four, and then and then it was back up again. Then they got down to within two, and it was back up again. And and you never, you know, Bakari hit a three-pointer late, make it 56-50, to 50, and then, the you know, a big run for Evansville again. Mm. So it was just every time Valpo got close, there was other some other hey, didn't run there. Didn't Max get a tech in this game too? He did, and and that's an interesting, interesting play in the game. It was right. early on there in the uh, – in the second half, I believe, and and Max Joseph gets the technical foul. I'm looking to see exactly when this happened. It was uh, 
he got absolutely headlocked. I mean, he got smacked, and they called a foul on him. And then on the next play, he goes down, and they call a foul on Smits, mm-hmm. and Max smashes the ball on the ground. Right, and I almost actually thought that that slam was kind of just accidental. Yes. I mean, like, like it wasn't supposed to, you know, it wasn't supposed to be the one where he, like, threw it down and then just walked away. Like, I feel like he meant to catch it. It was a six-point game at this point. Uh, Bakari missed the layup, and Max Joseph and Drew Smith went up for the rebound, and Joseph got headlocked. Unbelievable And play. they called a foul on Joseph. So, right there, that one, and I'd said at halftime, I told somebody at halftime, it's time for Matt Lodick to get a technical. And I think we fall in love as as media and fans with this idea that if you get a technical, you're going to flip everything around. Right. Like, you know, there's been a lot of criticism levied toward the coaching staff and toward Matt Lodick from people saying that, you know, he's not defending his players. Well, he's defending his players. And and I think he he does it in a more, uh, I guess, diminutive, quieter way than being very demonstrative. Mm. Uh, He has certainly been fired up on the sidelines before. Uh, but and, and so I can see, I can see where people are saying this, but I felt like it, it's time to send a message in, in whatever way. And, and I don't know that the players need Matt Lodick to get a technical for them to know that he's, he's supporting them. Right. But it couldn't hurt. Right? Yeah, no, it, it, it helps every once in a while. You know. So in this situation, Max is the one that gets the technical and, you know, Ryan Taylor hits three free throws. And then Bakari Evelyn hits a three-pointer right after that. So kind of a wash to an extent. Mm-hmm. But still, tough, tough situation there. Uh, it, it was not Max didn't commit a foul. I watched that video 15 different ways. He did not commit a foul. <laughs> right, no, it was, that was a crazy play. I, the whole building was just shocked. I, I, I'm pretty sure even Evansville was shocked. Everybody, everybody. So, and, so Val, Valpo ultimately drops that game. Tough loss at home, the battle for last place, and Valpo falls to to two and seven. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Illinois State, a team that maybe looked ripe for perhaps a little bit of a uh, little bit of a letdown. Um, and and Valpo again, they 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 fall behind. They, I mean they're close early on. It's twenty four twenty, and Smith hits a shot with four and a half minutes left. And then Illinois State closes the half on a ten to three run, tough for Valpo, and something where they they didn't really recover. Uh, and one of the reasons why it was hard for them to recover was the knockout blow. <laughs> it was a it was it was eight, everywhere. Eighteen twenty left. Uh, Derek Smiths missed the jumper. Madison Williams gets the rebound, goes coast to coast, parting of the Red Sea. There wasn't a Valpo defender who wanted a piece of Williams, no. except for Malik McMillan goes up to contest at the rim. He jumped and gets baptized badly. What? How do you take this play? That's a, that was amazing. I had not. The first time I saw it, I pulled it up on Twitter, and I only saw it because it was making the rounds. Right? I mean, it was the it, top it, ten it play was, in it, Sports Center. It was rightfully so. Deadspin did was, an article about it and said, "Poor Valparaiso freshman destroyed by dunk." Oh man, yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, that was awful. I can't, I can't imagine. I've been dunked on truthfully once, and that was a guy threw it off the backboard to a teammate, 
and then he dunked on me. So that was pretty demoralizing. But I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, like that atmosphere, you know, where they were, ESPN two. It was pretty. I mean, baptized is probably the correct word. I the play happened. The arena goes nuts. I immediately bring up the ESPN three broadcast of it because I want to see. I want to see how did this happen like this. Right. And that's when I noticed that there was other players that just weren't having any part of wanting to go after them. Uh-huh. And so as much as Malik McMillan ended up on a poster, and I'm telling you, it's a poster. It's a poster. Because I saw a photograph of this thing. It's the greatest sports photograph ever taken. Okay. It's, I mean, it's right. amazing. No, I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> okay, Because it shows all 10 players on the court. It's really good. Oh, wow. It was uh, – I, I tweeted it out. It was uh, It was fantastic. I'm going to bring it up here while we're doing this. So like uh, a live reaction? Yes. Like one of those reaction videos? Did your little reaction videos and talked over songs? Look at this photograph. Oh, my gosh. This is – No, that's immaculate. It's a great, great photograph. Look at that. The, like the the – the ceiling, it's golden. This it's is, like the heavens were like, this play was meant to happen. Tell me this is not like the greatest sports photograph. No, this is amazing. And there's, the, You can see the light beam streaming down. The only thing that would make it better is if there was more people, but other than that, like... Well, there wasn't a whole lot of the student section. This is uh, That's an amazing this photo. This is the photographer for the Pantograph, I believe, the uh, the newspaper in, uh, in Bloomington Normal. Um, you can find it at Lewis, I think in Marion, at L E W I S M A R I E N is the uh, the Twitter account of the photographer, and this I mean this photograph has everything. The only thing is if it was like closer up on you could see like the facial expressions or whatever. But this photograph is fantastic. That like looks when you look at Malik. So, the, but that's a poster. <laughs> yeah, but when you look at Malik and Madison, like that looks like he's about to get yammed on. <laughs> It's tough, but look, I mean, because they're right, their hands are right next to each other, but it just looks like, I mean, look at look at his legs, right? Yeah, that's just prime dunking position. That's amazing. It's an amazing play. <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing play. That will be on that guy's on both of their obituaries. He should he should print that out really and keep that that i mean hashtag new profile pic yes you know new cover photo <laughs> new business card photo business new card new, like you know you know like when imagine you get, handing that to an employer like if you've like, seen the movie like old school when like uh like will ferrell's character gets married they just have a giant portrait of him uh, this <laughs> is his picture at his wedding is just this photograph right. of him. like amazing amazing photograph so Anyways, that happens. They take Malik out of the game, and he's just he's well. The, the guy gets technical, yeah. which obviously, because he stood over Malik. Like I wrote in my story, like a conquering hero. Yes, because he did. He did. And again, you have, but you have to credit Malik McMillan for going up to try to stop him, right? Yeah. No, you do. Okay, like, come on. No, it's. I mean, considering he was like the only person in the area. Yes. But I mean, that's a tough play. That's listen. There's a reason they say don't jump. That's like, true. You know. That's true. But I mean, maybe he didn't know what he was going up against, right? You know, you never. Because I, I don't know if you look at that guy that you're going to expect Madison Williams to have those kind of hops. Yeah. Even I mean, I think that's why the t- the everyone went crazy because a it was a great dunk, but b like 
you don't really expect that from the guard from him. Like no. you know, the Malik Yarborough, yes, he's the star. Phil Fain couldn't miss that night, yes. But Madison Williams, I don't, I, you know, man, that was uh, that was a disaster. That was rough. It was about so as I'm rough looking, as the last five games, Paul. Yes. So uh, reports are that Malik McMillan is here on campus, walking around. He's alive. Good, and that's good. But and again, wh- so let me ask you this from your perspective, Parker. Uh, what do you do if you're Malik McMillan right now? I mean, like right could, now or after that play? Well, no, like, like he's getting he's getting clowned on Deadspin. You know, he's gone viral for the way that you don't want to go. Uh-huh. Do you do you shut down or do you own it? I mean, I don't look if 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 you shut down if you know if you let people's comments get to you that easily, then I mean, you're just not quite built for. You know that kind of attention, yeah. My guess so, is he's probably been dunked on before. Yeah, and he's exactly. Dunked on plenty of other people, right? Before. Like, no, you wouldn't shut down. I mean, you just, yeah, it's like okay, it's a play that happened. It's sports; those things happen. It's it's like the guy that you know his ankles get crossed and he's on the ground. It's it's just those plays happen. That's it. Do you do you have? You said you've been dunked on before. I have been dunked on. What is your? With the exception of American Ninja Warrior, because uh-huh. that's a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your biggest? Uh, like, I want to. If I could take back that moment in sports, because <laughs> I, I, I know American Ninja Warrior is probably there. Yeah, but like, sure. But like, in, do you have a? Do you have a? And and for clarity, I wouldn't take that experience back for the world. Yeah, I would right. take back the re- the result the, of it, what it, happened. You take back that one moment. Yeah, but, right. But what What's your biggest? What's your biggest? Take it back <laughs> in in sports. Um, that one that one was pretty. Getting dunked on after a dude threw it off the backboard was pretty funny, just because it was at Twenty Four Hour Fitness and I knew everybody and everyone knew me. But um, that was that was in in high school in uh, golf one time at a terrible tournament. I take that whole tournament back because it was like. It was my first, personally, my first tournament of the year. I played so poorly. And um, <laughs> I hit a tee shot. And it went it went OB into the houses. And uh, I was already miffed. Or, I, yeah, I was, I was ticked off. And um, <laughs> out of the house walks this old man. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. You hit the house. You, you hit I didn't, the window. I uh, didn't. I didn't hit just any window, and I didn't hit... Yes, Paul. There was a tiny moon-slash-sun window on the top of this house. I mean, it was about as big as a plate, a regular dinner plate, and my ball, sure enough, hits that window. I had to end up going, giving the dude my information. Nothing ever came of it, but that was pretty... Like that was That was a low point. Wow. I had, uh, God, I would tell you, this was like, this is gym class, but like the word spreads, right? We were playing uh, like mushball, softball yeah. in gym class. Uh, gym class is always tough. Yeah. And, uh, and no, it, I, I don't, we were playing, we were playing with gloves, right? We were, so, right. but it was still, it wasn't like, it was a bigger softball, but we were still playing with gloves. It was kind of odd. And, I'm a first baseman. I'm relatively tall and left-handed. So, like, I know how to play first base. Uh-huh. 
And so we're moving positions around. So I'm playing shortstop or second, one of the two. And uh, and there was a grounder to first, and there was a runner on first. And so there's a grounder to first. First baseman grabs it, steps on the base, and then turns to throw to me. And I stick my arm out there. I stick my glove out there. The ball's coming right toward my glove. And he puts a weird spin on it, and it rises up and smashes me right in the forehead. Oh. <laughs> I don't see it coming. Knocks me down. The guy ends up scoring or whatever. Everyone's laughing, laughing their ass oh, off, man. right? Yeah. The teacher wants to like make sure I'm okay, but he's doubled over laughing. <laughs> and it's just it was horrific. Yeah. And it's just like you just you just gotta own it. You yeah, they're tough be, moments. Be, you know what? Yes, it happened. It happened. Now it didn't happen on ESPN too. No, and or Sports Center. Or Sports Center, <laughs> but it happened. Right. And like, you know, oh. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, so Valpo loses both those games. Uh, Parker, I want to talk to you about a couple different players here um, and, and find out just where we're at with these guys. Well, let's start with John Kaiser. He comes back from the ankle injury. You're glad to get him back. Everyone's excited to get John Kaiser back. Yes. He has played 71 minutes since he returned from action, 18 against Loyola, 26 against Evansville, and 27 against Illinois State. Loddick says, routinely, I know what I'm going to get from Kaiser. I trust Kaiser. 71 minutes, 0 for 5 from the floor. He's got 15 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal. He has not scored in 71 minutes since coming back. Right. We can point to Kaiser and we can say he's not a scorer. Mm. Okay, but what? then what... what you're struggling to score points. Can you afford to have non-scorers out there? Right. And Lodic has said he's he's very unselfish. He's unselfish almost to the point that he is selfish because he's not shooting. And as, again, against Illinois State, a couple of opportunities where he could have put that thing up and he would do a ball fake and he'd pass out of it, and then we would get another eight seconds of dribbling around the perimeter of not, you know. So what what – what needs to happen here? Yeah, I just think, you know, John is an interesting player in that because, like we've talked about, you know what you're going to get from him. It's going to be hard defense. It's going to be a lot of heart and hustle. He's going to bring energy, and he's going to help you out in terms of leadership and, and you know, just a, a player that grinds it out and makes all the tough plays that, that other players don't. But... You know, I got to thinking about this, and I don't know actually, though, how much John does help because when he's out there, you pretty much on offense, it's four on five. Yeah. Because you know he's not going to shoot. He doesn't shoot. And so, in, like you said, 71, right, minutes? 71 minutes. 0 for 5. Okay, like missing shots, that happens. I get that. But to only put up five shots in seventy-one minutes. I mean, that's that's tough to, to to not have someone. And and we've we've watched these games, and there are ample opportunities opportunities for him to shoot the ball. Yeah. So it's just it's interesting. But then again, you know, is what he does outside of offense is that you know does that. Overshadow. Yeah, that, right. Exactly. Yeah. He's does got that, you know seven rebounds against Illinois State, six rebounds against Loyola in eighteen minutes. Right. Uh, so 
Yeah, an assist and a steal. Like he's a tough player. Yeah. I mean, he's going to scrap. He's going to fight. He's going to dive on the mm-hmm. ground. He's going to do all the little things. But, but it's can... almost – you don't want to throw around the term liability, but, like, on offense, he, and he, he moves the ball well. He does what he's supposed to. He knows plays. It's, but it's just – like, I, I wouldn't say that on any of these plays, John Kaiser is – Actually, are an you option. ever are you ever designing a play for him to be the one to shoot? Right, it? like I don't think he's actually ever an option. No, that's not the litmus test as to whether or not you should be on the floor. Maybe sure. it is, maybe it isn't, but still, yeah, it's just a note. It's just a notation we're making. Seventy-one minutes, the guy didn't score, at, which just described my entire eighth-grade basketball season. By the <laughs> way, uh, okay, an, another. So, so Kaiser is getting the minutes. So if he is, two players who aren't right now, Parker Hazen. Hasn't played in several games. Like a while. And Martin Linson hasn't played at all. Now, Matt Loddick said last week in, in media availability that Smiths and Soroya are the guys that they're rolling with right now, and they're not comfortable enough with Martin to play him at the four. They want to play him, you know, at the uh, at the five. Mm-hmm. And Smiths and Soroya are, are, you know, Smiths has been a revelation the last couple of games, offensively speaking. And Soroya, it's, it's the talent's there. You see it there. So I don't – foul trouble is the only time that Martin Linson gets in the game. Parker Hazen, whether or not, you know, it's clear that he's – I mean, the per stats, all the metrics do not tell a good story about the production that he's at out there. Part of me does think you're down 15 in a game, put him out there. But at the same time, when Valpo's been down 15 in a game, they have – maybe put a lot of guards out there, and they somehow cut it down to like 10 or 9 or 8, and they get closer. So, yes, Valpo is getting blown out in some of these games, but I don't know that Valpo's really been in a game quite where it's been like they're, they've given up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and and I don't know if, if Parker Hazen's the equivalent of the human white flag right now, but he hasn't played, period. And I don't know if that's the coaching staff saying, you're, you're not going to play, so... I, I don't know. But are Valpo fans right to question why the guy can't get in? Or do we need to figure we're not in practice, so what? We, you know, we're not seeing some things? Yeah, this is, I mean, this has been the truest enigma of the entire year. Just because he starts out starting, right? And then he Somebody g- wrote that he could be the next Alec Peters. Someone wrote that. I don't recall, but okay. like you said... So, nobody. Good thing nobody reads the internet. <laughs> nobody reads right. the newspaper. Good thing we don't know this person. Yeah, good thing nobody so, reads the newspaper. <laughs> so he he starts out starting these games, and then you know his his time just kind of goes down a li- little bit, little by little. But now we're at a point where he doesn't even play, and it just leads you to think, you know, why? What could be the possible reasons? Is it a, you know, is it? an attitude thing is it a he's just a freshman thing let me is let it, me let me point in right here for a second it it is certainly not an attitude thing. see that's what and, i thought and, that's and, what i'm saying yeah and and again i i you were right to question that but but from everything that we know and you watch him during the games that guy is as bought in as a team player yes. as anybody is out absolutely there. So, so yeah i mean people can start trying to figure out what it may be but it's certainly not that no it's certainly not effort it's right. certainly not, you know, it's, but if you look at It could at the just stats, be part of the process. It, it could be, and it could just be that it's 
a big level jump. Yeah. You know, he's a freshman. He too. is a freshman. That, that's what needs to be lo- lost in all this is, yes, you can point to Pickford and Fife at Northern Iowa, and you can point to some of these other guys. Vashiel was a freshman. Vashiel didn't do much until his junior year. Right. And then he got two senior years to make up for the fact that he was a pretty- And then he was the best defensive player in the country. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys. Brandon McPherson, Jake Diebler, Eurelia Igbofboa, when they came in here in 2005, they were freshmen. They didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Parker Hazen is going to be an all-conference player by all time is said right. and done. I'm not saying that Parker Hazen will even be on the team next year. I don't know the answer to those questions. Those, mm-hmm. But to, these guys are freshmen who are 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 – Let's not get lost the big jump it takes to go from sure. And Parker Hazen played at the smallest level of college or of high school basketball in the state. I think he was at a one A 1A or two A or something. It was not, yeah. So I don't know what's going to come of that kid. I know that the guy is in the gym, first one in, last one out, quite a bit. I don't know. Last point that I want to I want to go with here before we, you know, Valpo's going to play Wednesday night against Indiana State. Bakari Evelyn, I want to give you the last three games here. So this is interesting. At or against Loyola, two points in the first half, seventeen in the second half. Finished with nineteen points. Had seventeen points against Evansville, five in the first half, twelve in the second half. Had twenty points against Illinois State, six in the first half, fourteen in the second half. Here's the thing, and I know this because I see this with the Packers too. It's different, but it's the same. The Packers. Had a pretty good offense, but they've been struggling in the last couple of years. Mm. Two years ago, even last year, when before Rodgers got hurt, when they play like their hair's on fire late in the game, they can move the ball like nobody's business. You saw this against the Cowboys in the playoffs. You saw this against the Cowboys in the regular season this past year. When they need to move the ball down the field, they can do it. When they're playing within the mode of the offense, it's slow, it's plotting, it's, it takes a while to develop and all of that. Bakari Evelyn in the first half has been a – Average to below average point score. Right. In the second half, when they're doing this, like, our hair is on fire, down 20, down 15, need to try to get back in the game, that guy can get to the basket and get and score. He had back, they missed their first 10 three-pointers against – or their first 14 three-pointers against Illinois State, and then he hits back-to-back shots. What do you, what do you make of a guy who has scored – 75% of his points in the in in mop up time. Yeah. And maybe and maybe 75 of the last couple of games. Maybe right. that's not a completely fair, you know, I'm I'm not trying to say that he's no good unless the other team's given up. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. No, but, yeah. but what do you make of this? Well, it's just I mean it's tough to say because the the thing about these three games is that Valpo's been they've been down in all of them. So you know, it's not like it. You know, when you when you think second half or fourth quarter, someone's scoring a lot in in those two, you think, oh wow, they they work well under pressure, like they, they you know they can come up. When, I mean, Le- Kobe was a was a fourth quarter player, absolutely. But Kobe also scored in the first three quarters of the game, too. right? Right. So, but but in this case, you know, they've been down in all of them, and you just you kind of wonder. So is does the game get easier because players on the other team, you know, kind of back off is a little bit with a bigger lead 
or is it just that things start clicking or what is it? So I don't know. I don't, to be honest, I just, I don't have the answer to that one. Paul. I don't, I don't know if, because it's certainly not sustainable to play at that speed where you're racing to catch up for 40 minutes. You right. Know, you, you can't play like your hair is on fire for the entire game. No. You just won't have the legs. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I just don't know the answer here, but I look at it and, and, you know, and you can look at the Missouri State game, too. Like, this is not necessarily a trend, because if we go back to Missouri State, Bakari scored nine points in the first half, and then he missed all four shots in the second half, didn't score at all. Mm-hmm. And they were in that game. You know, they, they were they, – they, you know, they got outscored in the second half. But it's just – it's three straight games of this kind of thing, of this kind of balance. You go 2-17, 5-12, and 6-14 as the point splits – it's something because Bakari's been the leading scorer the last handful of games, 19, 17, and 20, the last three games. Yep. But most of those points are coming late in the game. I just don't know. It's really tough because uh, how can you get how can you get him to do that? So what they're doing in the first half, like if we go back to uh, you know, the Evansville game, they they hammer the ball inside to Derek Smith's early on. And Smith scored you know, a, a handful. I mean, they were trying to get him going. Maybe that the Evansville game. He he erupted there in the uh, the the second half. Was it the uh, the Loyola game? I think maybe he had his his career high in there, and he just had a new career high against Illinois State. The first half of the Loyola game, he had ten points in the first half, and he had four in the second half. So it's like Valpo is establishing the inside play there in the uh, the the beginning, but then they go to Bakari and they go crazy there in the uh, you know in the latter stages of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer, but it's something. Right, and also worth noting in these last three games, it's been you look at the points and you just think, okay, it's it's been just decent, but it's been a struggle for Tavon Walker. It has been. Four of 13 against Illinois State, missed all five mm-hmm. of his three-pointers. Then I think three of 12 in the Evansville game and six of 15 in the Loyola game. Mono does things to you. And I, I, I want to end with this because someone posted this on the Valpo message board, which proceed to that place at your own risk. Oh, boy. Because the, the amount smokes. of people who have been jumping off the bridge, and maybe rightfully so, but... Somebody posted a link to the St. Mary's game, the NIT, two years ago. And I and I fell into a wormhole the other night. I couldn't sleep. And so I watched about a half of the St. Mary's game, and then I watched a good chunk of the BYU game in New York. And Tavon Walker was a sophomore that year. It was just two years ago, and he he hardly played in those games. Now, Bryce would do a thing, and most coaches do, where they rely on the upperclassmen down the stretch of the season but I was watching the ball movement of those teams and even I was watching Tavon when he was on the floor he was the fourth option at best on that team you know when you had Alec and you had Shane and you had Darian Walker and Skara and E and you know all sorts of other players that were out there that was a really really good good team team. that should have been a tournament team it should have (laughs) been they played for a national championship it just wasn't the national championship right exactly but just you know, and obviously that's the way it works. You know, you come in when you're younger and you elevate yourself up. But but Tavon Walker has never been the guy on mm. the team. Not to say that he's that he's not capable, but it it's, it is amazing to think of just how much Valpo's lost and how much pressure. And 
look, you put Joe Burton on this team, they are not 2-8 and eight in conference. Right. It's as simple as that. You can't blame Tavon. You can't blame Max. You can't blame, you know, Malik or Parker or anything like that. The blame for that rests on one guy, and that's Joe. Mm. And he's gone. As Matt Lodick has said, no one's going to feel sorry for them. But I, it's tough because we've been doing this podcast, Parker, for two years. And last year we sat there at the end of the year and we said, what if? What if Scar doesn't transfer? What if Keith Card is eligible? What if Jabril doesn't make a dumb mistake? What if Alec doesn't get hurt? The questions now this year, what if Joe Burton would have been on the team? It's maybe the only what if right now. Yeah. You know? I just suppose the Scar thing can still hold over, but what if Joe Burton is eligible? They're not two and eight. I can mm-hmm. almost guarantee what that. What if Alec had a sixth year? All right. No, I'm just kidding. Come on. What if Vashiel <laughs> could have had another <laughs> <ninth> year. <laughs> another senior year? <laughs> right. But legitimately speaking, what if? What well, if? actually, you know, you know what? There's a, a what if though. It's not like something that actually could happen, but that I've heard people talk about before is how different is this transition to the Missouri Valley if it is that team from a couple of years ago? Yeah. Think about right? it. If they if they would have picked if they had picked Valpo. When they picked Loyola a couple of years ago, I mean, I think it was still Valpo was still young at that point. Mm. But let's say that this happened. Let's say Wichita would have left two years ago, and Alex junior year or Alex senior year, they make the move to the. This is a different. It's narrative. a totally different story. Completely different. So, uh, but let's end with some good news for Valpo. Yes, they got themselves a point guard. They got a commit yes. on Sunday Absolutely. from uh, from a guy from Canada, Daniel Sackey. Uh, done a little, I think that's how you say the name. Done a little bit of research, not a terrible amount. Uh, the guy is the fastest guard in Canada, they say. And I've watched some video, and the guy's fast. It's impressive. And there's a, there's a video out there of a game that was played, not with him in it, but a game that was played on Sunday. And he does some commentary afterward, and he talks a little bit about his his choice of Valpo and all that. And he had some really good things to say. And uh, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it to people to go find that because I don't exactly know where it is on the you know I'm not going to give a YouTube address on the uh, right. on the link. But uh, it was uh, it was good. It was fun to uh, to to listen to him and and so that brings in that's him. a couple of recruits now. That's him and Javon Freeman Liberty, who is a scorer. And so the backcourt looks short up a little bit. Uh, they've got at least one scholarship remaining, uh, with with Joe Burton's scholarship being open. If no, if you know, people transfer every year. I'm mm-hmm. not advocating for certain players to go, but people transfer every year. I you suspect it'll happen at some point, and if it does, that'll free up another one or two, or who knows. But uh, I would say that you can suspect at least the Joe Burton scholarship. I would think would go to a fifth year grad transfer, somebody who could come in and be immediately eligible, maybe a big guy. And come in and, and maybe play the four. It's happened position. in the past. Yep. So Malik McMillan, you suspect, will will continue to evolve and get better and and use what he went through at Illinois State as fuel to his fire. But I suspect you will see a, a fifth year grad transfer, a big guy come in to to maybe bridge the gap as Martin Linson and Malik McMillan and Parker Hazen get more seasoning. And yeah, and that'll be, you know, interesting again though, and you because you add those New faces to the group, and then you add a year of experience to everyone else, including the offseason. Then also, you know, we saw what happened when um, when Shane transferred, and he got on the court, and immediately everyone's blown away by Shane. And and so I'm curious to see how much uh, Fazekas does. Ryan Fazekas will be a huge addition to this team. That's, and, yeah, that's the word. 
So Valpo at home Wednesday night, Indiana State. Four home games left this season. Uh, home on Wednesday, and they got a Sunday home game uh, and a Saturday and a Tuesday, but they're also on the road for four more games as well. Eight games left in the year and then the conference tournament. We went from thinking that Valpo at one point was in the NIT bracketology to thinking, well, at, at worst there will be a CBI or CIT team. Now, I mean, who knows because the parameters for being in those tournaments are so like <laughs> – Whoever wants to pony up the money and, yeah. and whatever, but well, anything. Look at when Milwaukee made the tournament. Like really, anything can anything happen. Anything can happen. So <laughs> Valpo's got Indiana State, a team that they struggled at their place in the first conference opener uh, more than a month ago, and then they go to Southern Illinois and Evansville, back-to-back road games. Going to be pretty tough. Uh, it's you know, we, last podcast we're sitting here talking about the six winnable games that were coming up, and now as I sit here, I think. Man, just how about just one game at a time? Just yeah. find one W there. Like they had, like it was Evansville at the Arc. That was as close to penciling in a win, and it wasn't a win. Yeah, and and that was and, and really to take nothing away from Evansville. That no. was you see a team coming in at three and six or two and no two and six coming in at the Arc. You suspect Valpo's going to win that one, and uh, yeah, it's just tough. Uh, so Valpo. At home against Indiana State, last time Indiana State won in Valpo was 1977. So history on Valpo's side, so to speak. They've won, I think, the last a lot of pressure. three or four home games against Indiana State. But that's going to be uh, it's gonna be a tough one. So, Parker, thank you very much. We'll be back next week as we review the Indiana State and Southern Illinois games and get you ready for the last month of the regular season. Eight games to go, and then Arch Madness. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Parker. Thanks, Paul.